Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Starseed Radio Academy, empowering Starseed to better serve the planet. Welcome to Starseed Radio Academy. It's Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019, and I'm your host, Ariel Taylor, with my co-hosts, Lavendar and Anastasia. Our special guest this evening is Jennifer Gale, MHS, and senior faculty at the Acutonics Institute of Integrative Medicine. She's a certified acutonics practitioner who combines her passion for music, astrology, and the ancient healing arts to turn astrology into a sound healing experience. Her background includes a bachelor's in music, a master's in health health sciences, and extensive education in the healing arts, including massage, yoga, reiki, healing touch, acutonics, and Chinese medicine. As an author of two books on planetary science and medicine, she examines the hermetic axiom, as above, so below, bringing to life the relevance of our personal and planetary connection. The Return of Planet Sedna, Astrology, Healing, and the Awakening of Cosmic Kundalini, explores the rich symbolism in the myth of Sedna, as well as the um, healing implication for this planet's return to our solar system. In her first book with Mark S. Mikosi, M.D., The Science of Planetary Signatures in Medicine, she examines the repeating patterns found in nature, the elements, and in planetary movement, revealing sound as the primary mover and root of all healing. Be sure to visit her website, which is soundworksbygail, that's spelled G-E-H-L, dot com. And we've invited our newest Starseed Hotline team member, astrologer and intuitive, Rebecca Tor, to come on tonight for a few minutes to officially welcome her to our family. And many of our Quest alumni already know and love her as we do. But first, it's Anastasia's Starseed News, bringing topics of interest to Starseeds that you won't hear in the mainstream. And we would like to thank Kathy and Jada for hosting the switchboard tonight for those who may have a question or comment for Jennifer. We have an online Starseed community at starseedhotline.ning.com, and it's a safe place to connect with other Starseeds thanks to Tammy's helpful dedication. You can download our shows on iTunes or right here on Blog Talk. And if you'd like to show your support of our program, please click follow on our page here at Blog Talk, and you'll get our weekly show notices if you enable those. Our main website is starseedhotline.com. The Stage 1 Starseed confirmations are based on Lavendar's discovery of star markings and your natal astrological chart, and the Stage 2 session is a one-on-one phone session available with Lavendar, Anastasia, or myself. And due to a huge increase in requests for readings, there's now up to a 16-week wait for the Stage 1s, but with Rebecca's help, we expect the wait time to be gradually reduced. And we deeply appreciate the patient understanding of those who are waiting. Lavendar is booking February now and asks that her repeat clients book at least six months ahead, especially for solar returns, because every time someone with a YouTube following recommends us, our waiting lists grow. And if you have a birthday coming up, you don't want to miss out on your 10 hours of power. 
You can find out when that happens by requesting your solar return timing. That chart only takes a couple of days. But if you want the stage two interpretation of that chart, you'll need to order at least six months ahead of your birthday to make sure you get it before your 10 hours because our waiting lists are overflowing. But this is a wonderful thing because it shows an ever-increasing number of starseeds waking up and joining a much larger community of light that covers the globe. So first up tonight, I would like to introduce Anastasia, if I can find you on the switch. Oh, there you are. I will introduce Anastasia with her wonderful, fascinating starseed news. Good evening, Ariel. There's nothing better than being lost and then getting found. I'm glad you found me. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a lot of people on the switchboard tonight, so I had to was like, whoa, you were there well, a second it's, ago. Well, it's not, it's not unusual for me to be lost, so <laughs> it's very nice to be found. Thank you so much. Well, uh, surprise, no surprise, the sun is blank, and there's not a sunspot in sight. So solar minimum continues in a big way. And we've had a lot of weather to report, Earth Changes Department. There were flash floods and landslides in Italy after almost 10 inches of rain in 12 hours. Heavy rain in northern Italy caused floods and landslides in the regions of Lombardy and Piedmont. Rail and road traffic has been severely disrupted and schools have also been closed. As of today, the 22nd of October, as much as 10 inches of rain fell in 12 hours, so that is a lot of rain. And flash floods have uh, stricken Turkey. There's been heavy rain in southern Turkey that has caused flash flooding, just happened two days ago. Local media said dozens of people were evacuated from flooded homes or rescued from vehicles trapped in flood water. Flooding happened after an inch of rain fell in just 15 minutes. Talk about a deluge. Wow. And I'm sure you've all heard about the tornado in Dallas, but I'm going to report on it. It's pretty significant. There was major damage reported in Dallas after an overnight tornado. They considered it to be a violent 111-mile-an-hour tornado that tore through Dallas on Sunday night. It leveled buildings, tossed trailers, killed four people, and disrupted power to thousands of houses and businesses. And Uh. off the coast of Samoa, they had an earthquake with a magnitude 6. It struck off the Pacific island nation of Samoa last week. No reports of casualties or damage with that one. And a 6.4 magnitude quake struck off the Vanuatu coast on Monday, yesterday. That's according to the USGS. Now, about 12 hours earlier, a smaller magnitude 4.5 tremor also hit in the same location. 12 hours earlier, boom, boom, double earthquake, 4.5 and a 6.4. And this is odd. There was freak tornadoes that tore through France. People were actually injured when a tornado whipped through the southern French town of Arles, ripping off roofs and throwing caravans onto their sides. That's what they call buses, minivans, caravans. The swaths of destruction last week forced 60 people to evacuate, seriously damaged 173 houses. And at the same time, The line of severe thunderstorms produced more than 15,000 lightning strikes. And then on Sunday, another day, just the day before yesterday, another tornado touched down in France. 
That's pretty weird. Oh. And oh. speaking of lost and found, I'm not the only one that gets lost, but I don't get so much <laughs> fanfare when I'm discovered. A yellow-brown warbler from Asia has been seen for the very first time, the first time ever in Canada. Upwards of 50 to 100 people flocked to this park. They took their binoculars and their telephoto lenses. They were ready for a picture of the yellow-brown warbler. Some came as far as, uh, from as far away as Washington State and even California. But nobody traveled quite as far as this bird, which is a, a native of Asia. This migratory warbler typically spends its winters in the tropical climates of South Asia and Southeast Asia, and rarely, once in a while, in Western Europe. Never before seen in Canada. The poor little guy, he's ended up in cold weather. He went the wrong way. Bless his heart. I hope he finds a warmer climate to spend the winter. Canada, get out of there, birdie. Go, go, go. (laughs) (laughs) And there was an F1 tornado that struck near Shelton, Washington, another weird tornado in a very unlikely place. The National Weather Service did confirm an F1 tornado hit near Shelton on Friday night with winds between 90 and 100 miles per hour. It uprooted forest trees and damaged houses. Now, this is almost unheard of in the state of Washington, but it was the second confirmed tornado this year. A weak tornado touched down near Tonino on the 4th of October, just a couple weeks ago. And you may have heard about this from the uh, the national news. Uh, There was a tropical storm, they named it Nestor, that left a path of destruction in Florida. Tropical storm Nestor spawned a string of tornadoes that damaged houses, uprooted trees, and overturned vehicles as it moved inland over the Florida panhandle from the Gulf of Mexico late on Friday and early on Saturday. A tornado from this storm touched down near Seminole, Florida, about 15 miles west of St. Petersburg on Friday. Another tornado with winds up to 120 miles per hour touched down in the Tampa vicinity where it damaged at least 50 houses and businesses as it moved into a nearby county. And not a surprise, actually, but a new event. The Etna volcano has erupted again along with a 3.3 earthquake that happened on Friday. From that eruption and earthquake, there were no reports of casualties or damage. Now, this has been a big buzz all over the news, but not so much on the mainstream news. I don't know if you've heard this or not, but very interesting. Um, They have uh, found that the double earthquake that struck Southern California on July 4th has awakened a dormant fault for the first time in 500 years. They're really talking about this one. In fact, they're sort of reassessing their earthquake analysis predictions. A major uh, California fault that's capable of producing a magnitude 8 earthquake has started to move for the first time on record. And they tell us that this was the result of of, uh, this year's Ridgecrest earthquake sequence that destabilized nearby faults. This is according to Caltech scientists as they revealed in a new study they released in the journal Science last Thursday. Now, this is a 160-mile-long fault called the Garlock Fault, 
which is on the northern edge of the Mojave Desert, and it's never been observed to produce either a strong earthquake, but more importantly, it's never been observed to creep or move. And that's what causes scars on the ground, like cracks. However, new satellite radar images now are showing that the fault has started to move, causing a bulging of land that can be viewed from space. This creeping motion illustrates how the ridgecrest quakes that began on the 4th of July have destabilized this remote desert region of California between the state's greatest mountain range, the Sierra Nevada, and its lowest point, Death Valley. Not only has the Garlock Fault begun to creep in one section, but there's also been a substantial swarm of small earthquakes in another section of this fault and two additional clusters of earthquakes elsewhere, one south of Owens Lake and the other in the Panamint Valley just west of Death Valley. Which raises the question to scientists, are we in greater danger of a large magnitude quake striking California? They're concerned. They think it's going to happen for sure, and everybody is watching. Well, something called a bomb cyclone has slammed the U.S. Northeast. Uh, More than 500,000 homes and businesses in the Northeast lost power late last week as a quickly moving bomb cyclone knocked down trees and electrical lines throughout the region. The storm pushed some of the coldest air of the season through the Northeast, gave wind gusts of up to 55 miles per hour that were felt along the coast from Maine to as far south as Cape May, New Jersey, and some parts of Delaware. And in the ocean near Tonga, there is an underground, underwater, I should say, volcano erupting. Massive plumes of white smoke are rising over a remote spot in the Pacific after an underwater volcano erupted earlier this week and it could potentially mean the arrival of a brand-new island. And by the way, I should say this was late last week. This article was written on Thursday, so I'm sorry. It's not this week. It was late last week. And this eruption was first noticed on Tuesday. This happened after our news last week, when a pilot with the real Tonga Airlines flew over the area and alerted ground control to the white columns of steam rising to about 5,000 feet of elevation. Now, the name of this this area is Mattis Shoal, and it's erupted a number of times previously. It's noted for sometimes creating temporary volcanic islands. Well, geologists are watching closely now to see whether there will be another island that will come up again. These islands are notably temporary. The volcano uh, emits lava, which rises to the surface, creating a brand-new island in the middle of the ocean, but they tend to be temporary. They've disappeared. Now there's another eruption. They're waiting to see if there will be another island. Um, In our psychology department, this is a very meaningful article. This is about something that very few of us anymore ever give any thought to. In fact, we have come to believe that the human quality of humility is tantamount to low self-esteem. And so, in our present culture, humility is looked upon with disdain. The idea of humility seems to be so old-fashioned, we ought to throw that out and replace that with massive amounts of self-esteem. Well, I posit that this is a misunderstanding of the meaning of the word. 
and sometimes we get our wires crossed. And that in this case, it's something that in our attempts to overcome religiously induced guilt and poor self-esteem and all of the things that come with being an oppressed society where sometimes we put ourselves down, that in this case we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater because humility is actually a deeply spiritual principle. And it is not the boldest of personality traits, but humility is a profoundly important one. And I bring this up because scientists are beginning to contemplate this. And I think that this is probably closely connected with the advent of the present political administration, the discussion about narcissism, toxic personalities, uh, dictatorships, uh, the rise of um, more, um, what, uh, forceful leadership qualities and the uh, bravado and the braggadocio that we see in our present society. People are noticing. Psychologists are noticing. So, in a paper published in the latest issue of Current Directions in Psychological Science, a team of researchers reviewed studies of a once widespread personality trait, humility, that's right. People used to practice humility. It used to be quite common. Again, as I say, in all of our self-help literature and pursuits, we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Psychologists are now defining uh, humility, according to this paper, as, quote, characterized by an ability to accurately acknowledge one's limitations and abilities and an interpersonal stance that is other-oriented rather than self-focused, end quote. A psychologist at Hope College in Michigan and lead author of this paper says, quote, research on humility has been growing and fast. It was time to bring people up to date and lay out the open questions to guide further research, end quote. In one series of experiments, humility was strongly linked to curiosity, reflection, and open-mindedness. And in another study, research subjects who scored high on humility, not that they'd boast about it, mind you, also scored lower on measures of political and ideological polarization, whether conservative or liberal. In other words, humble people are not radically opinionated, nor do they overpower others with their opinions. People who score high for humility are less aggressive and less judgmental toward members of other religious groups than people who are not humble even when they, the humble people, have been challenged about their own religious views. These kinds of findings may account for the fact that people high in intellectual humility are not easily manipulated with regard to their views, one researcher said. These findings show how humility can be associated with holding one's convictions. In other words, humble people do not depend on outside confirmation to hold to what is true for them. They are not easily threatened or intimidated by braggadocio, something that's greatly needed in our society today. And in this new review paper, researchers learned that a humble disposition can be critical to sustaining a committed relationship. It nourishes mental health more broadly, providing a psychological resource to shake off grudges, suffer fools patiently, and 
forgive oneself. Researchers said, quote, one of the thorny issues is that the people who are the most open and willing to cultivate humanity might be the ones who need it the least, and vice versa. Those most in need could be the most resistant, and indeed they are. And in our present age, with the rise of narcissism and utter self-absorption as a national and personal and spiritual pastime, studies show that, thankfully, roughly 10% of the American population still manages to be humble. That's about 25 million people. Who could have guessed that? And in a similar article about religion, polarities, ideologies, and such, here's a surprising report from the Pew Institute. In the United States, the decline of Christianity continues at a rapid pace. The religious landscape of the United States continues to change at a rapid clip. In Pew Research Center telephone surveys conducted in 2018 and this year, 2019, 65% of American adults describe themselves as Christians when asked about their religion, down 12 percentage points over the past decade. Meanwhile, the religiously unaffiliated share of the population consisting of people who describe their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular, or spiritual but not religious, now stands at nearly 30%, up 17% from 2009. That was a very long article. I have given you a summary. It breaks down into uh, categories based on race, occupation, certain religious categories, but that's the gist of it. People are becoming less religious in the United States. And in Paris, This is a wonderful article. It was forwarded to me, and I had to give it to you today. It's it's amazing. It's just amazing. Now, this thing has been discovered previously. I didn't know about it. Maybe some of you did. But it broke the news this week because it is being um, showcased at a zoo. Uh, And I'll tell you about that. This thing that I'm talking about is a living thing. It is bright yellow, very bright yellow, fluorescent yellow. It can creep along at a speed of about 1.6 inches per hour. It can solve problems, even though it doesn't have a brain. And it can heal itself if it's cut in two. Wow. Meet the blob. That's right, the blob. An unusual, very unusual organism, which is going to go on display at the Paris Zoological Park as part of a first-of-its-kind expedition intended to showcase its rare abilities and its exceedingly rare and unique species. This is a slime mold that is neither a plant, an animal, or a fungus. And guess what? It doesn't have two sexes, male and female. It has 720 genders. And it can also split into different organisms and then fuse itself back together. Wow. Wow. Now, this unicellular being is believed to be around 1 billion years old. And new research published in 2016 caused a stir among the science community because they discovered 
that this slime mold can solve problems, such as finding the shortest way to exit a labyrinth, and it can anticipate changes in its environment, and it can remember behavior for as long as one year. Now, just think about that. It doesn't have a brain. It's not a plant. It's not an animal or a fungus. And it is that intelligent and that resilient. Now, scientists initially grew this organism in Petri dishes, feeding it oatmeal, which, by the way, is its favorite food. And once it had reached a certain size, they grafted it onto tree bark, which is its favorite food, by the way, and placed it in a terrarium where visitors are going to be able to see it. Now, they say that this is almost immortal. Its only foes, its only predators are light and drought. And when it's threatened, it can hibernate for years. Now, they gave it the name of the blob. They gave it its name from the 1958 cult horror movie starring Steve McQueen, The Blob, in which an alien life form takes over a small town in Pennsylvania. Well, I'll tell you, that's just pretty darned amazing. From science fiction all those years ago to a discovery in recent years of something that is that intelligent, that is that resilient, that is that old, is really remarkable. And by the way, it is getting toward Halloween time, and if you want a good sort of, I don't know, munching thrill, you know, you get out the popcorn and you curl up on the couch and, you know, you just kind of want to chill for a while, check out the old 1958 movie, The Blob. It's pretty darn good. After this article was forwarded to me, I got curious. I opened up the uh, YouTube and I found the old Blob movie, and it was really quite entertaining. B-grade, uh, old B-film was kind of fun. Anyway, no no real terror in that, nothing hor- horrible, nothing gory, just an old-fashioned kind of corny horror movie that was kind of fun. Anyway, um, you know, it makes you think about life and how we view life and what we call uh, intelligent and how we might think alien life might present itself to us. The universe is infinite. The forms of life are infinite both physical and non-physical. When we think of life and when we think of consciousness and when we think of the potential of things, let us remember that most of the time we filter our imaginations through our our limitations, through the models of things that we've known and experienced. There's far more out there and far more on our own planet than we can envision or imagine. Infinity is a wonderful word. It means without limits, without time or spatial dimensions, dimensional limits. Life is so exciting. There is so much to learn and to do and to be and to experience and to protect and to love and to share. Life is a beautiful thing. And from my heart to each one of you, I want to wish you a beautiful week and leave you with a couple of really important quotes. Thomas Merton said, Pride makes us artificial, and humility 
makes us real. And at this point in our existence, there is a war between what is artificial and what is real. And many people are being seduced to embrace the artificial as a substitution for what is real. But what is real is what is of your heart. And when your heart is connected with the all that is, the infinite possibilities of existence, and when you can see yourself not as preeminent in that infinity, but a part of that infinity, made of love like everything around you, and that your existence, your existential purpose, is to share this love and this affirmation of life, that is when we begin to touch what is real. And when we touch what is real, we lay claim to divine power. And that, and only that, is the transformational juice that can turn things around for all of us. And C.S. Lewis said, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. To become other-minded, to become other-minded. This is the life-affirming quality in human beings that enables us to transform our environments by sharing our hearts and our thoughts and our intentions for the benefit and the good of all. And from my heart to each one of you, have a beautiful week, everybody. Live in love and enjoy because it's so good to be alive. We are so lucky to be alive. Well, that's it for tonight, Arielle. Thank you so much for the opportunity to bring you the news. And we'll talk again oh, next week, right? We do, we do appreciate it. Week. What did you say? I say we're we're good for next week, right? There's nothing going on. Oh uh, yeah, next week no we're going to have a, a regular we're, show. We're good for next week. Okay, yeah. I have to touch some base sometime because I don't keep very well track of things. Uh, you have to kind of remind me what's coming up and when. <laughs> yeah, yeah. More yeah, than it'll, once it'll I've be... showed up and there's been no news, nobody on because you all have been off having a good time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, we won't you know, be going Anastasia, to Arkansas. You kind of got, you kind of got to bring her along. You know, you got to lead her along a little bit. The one that's lost. <laughs> yeah, I think we have help. one show in no- we have one show in November before we leave for the quest. But I'll, 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 I'll email you about that, and you don't have to worry. Yeah, okay? that's good. I think that's simple enough for me to keep track of. All okay. Right. Thanks. Right. Thanks Blessed so much be. for the Starseed News. Catch you again. Bye bye. Wow, good job. And um, we are going to be bringing our featured guest on here in just a couple of minutes. But I do want to take this opportunity to um, bring Rebecca online. And I'm also going to get uh, Lavender's mic open here. So, um, Rebecca, are you there? I'm here. Hi, Ariel. Okay. Well, hello. Um, I just wanted to tell you how grateful we are that you are who you are and that you can do what you do <laughs> because um, <laughs> we have we have actually um, grown to a, a place where um, you know we just we can't handle all the star seeds by ourselves anymore so 
um, we're so glad that you're coming on board with us. And um, as I said in the uh, in the announcement that I sent out, um, a lot of our Quest alumni already know you, and um, we just we love you, and we know that you're going to be a wonderful addition to our staff and our team here. Um, and <laughs> I mean, you have been a professional astrologer, and you are also um, intuitive, which you which is a good combination between astrology and intuition because you know there's often more than one way to interpret something, and that's where the intuition yes. comes in. Um, so, uh, Lavendar, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Okay. So, so Rebecca, I'm so happy that you're going to join our team with doing these um, wonderful starseed charts. So tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've um, been awakened into the, to the starseed information. I can't remember what year we first met you, but I think it was like, what, five years ago? Um, it's been uh, just about three years. It's just we've packed a lot into those three years. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so probably it's probably only feels like 20, but, uh, yeah. And, um, so I've been studying astrology, um, really since the eighties and I've been a professional, um, just since the, excuse me, the beginning of this decade. And it's something I really love. Um, it's really what, uh, has provided sort of my understanding of a lot of topics that are near and dear to star seeds and it's helped me to understand and take in information a little more easily a little more readily because it's a, an entire language describing uh, energy which is sort of you know what star seeds it's what forms our reality and how we take things in and uh, it's been really really helpful with that and I'm really honored that um, that you've brought me on board to assist uh, other star seeds in this way. Yes, well, we're very happy for you to do that, and we also appreciate everything that you do when you come to Arkansas to the Quest. You're just a really strong powerhouse for the star seeds that walk in that door. So, oh, thank bravo, you. girl, for your attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think you know. I, I was just talking. I was just thinking back, and I think it was. I think it was 2016. When you showed up for the first time, and and then and now you've been back, I forget like eight or ten times, um, coming to quests yes. over and over <laughs> and over again. So yes, yeah, you've you've been you've been a part of that family, and uh, we're just very grateful to you that you have agreed to lend your your talents, your skills, and services uh, to Star Seeds through Star Seed Hotline. Well, so I'm, I'm very honored. <laughs> well, big hug. I just wanted to make sure that everyone knows that <laughs> help is on the way. Uh, because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, as I've been I've been saying, um, you know, in the introduction uh, for weeks and weeks and weeks now, that every time someone with YouTube recommends us, um, we get flooded. And 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 so far, it's it's. Um, I mean, Lavender does the stage twos, and I do the stage ones. And with a global audience, it's it's more than than I've been able to handle alone. So I am particularly grateful that you are going to be stepping in and um, and helping to empower Star Seeds, so that we can um, 
be of service to more people um, in a shorter amount of time. Um, well, but really we are grateful. To helping. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for <laughs> taking a few minutes to come on here and and just introduce yourself and introduce as we introduce you to our audience and um, there. You have um, your own page on our website now, which is going to be filled out with some more stuff. I, I'm just kind of just trying to get um, get you up and running with um, everything else that I'm doing and you know getting ready for the quest. So um, your page will be um, more holding more content if, if people do go to visit there. Um, just know that it's still kind of under construction. But we were anxious to get you um, launched uh, before Mercury goes retrograde next month. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very <yeah>. wise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, all the all the work. I mean, you and I have been working together um, in in your training of the for the starseed aspects of it, and you have just really you've picked it up so quickly. It was it was easy to do. So I'm grateful to you for for being such a quick study. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> okay. Well, Rebecca, um, I have. Uh, I, I'm going to get the uh, get our guest on now, but I'm so glad that you're part of our family now, and uh, that we've got a chance to introduce you to our audience. And thanks so much for calling in. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Ariel. Bye, love and, and big hug. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye. Talk to you soon. Okay. Well, um, we have. Let's see. Jennifer, I know you're here. I saw you on the on the switchboard, but as I said, we have a lot of people calling in tonight. Okay, there you are. Hi, Jennifer. This is Ariel. Hello. Hello. How are you? Hello. Oh, we're so glad that you're here tonight, and I'm so looking forward to hearing um, about your work because it, it it's just right up with right up our alley because with with astrology. Yes. And as I mentioned in an email to you, um, I've been a musician. Uh, for all of my life, so I'm really intrigued yes. to to how, how these how these tie together. So I think let's see, Lavender, your mic is open. Okay, so Lavender is going to lead it off, and then um, at some point she'll turn it back to me. And um, if we, I think we already have a, a caller with a question. Um, are you able to take some questions after your interview? Sure, absolutely. Okay, excellent. All right, Lavendar, go ahead and kick it off. Okay. So, Jennifer, I'm, I'm very excited to, uh, um, to talk to you this evening, especially about your planetary signatures and medicine. So why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about how you got interested in metaphysics, into astrology. Just give us a little timeline of how you've discovered sure. who you are now. Well, first, I just want to thank you both for having me on the show, and it was a joy to listen to the first half hour. I feel like I am definitely on the right radio station for um, sharing my information with your audience. Um, So, Ariel, I am also a musician. I am. I have been a musician since I, well, started studying music at the age of six on piano, and then I uh, started studying violin at the age of seven. So music has been a part of my, an integral part of my life. And when I was a teenager, I became absolutely fascinated with astrology. 
I was going through an awkward phase, as so many of us do at that age, and not, you know, just feeling uncomfortable in my own skin, not, you know, feeling out of my element. I felt like I didn't know who I was. I was feeling uncomfortable around my peers and my family, just felt so foreign and and alien, quite frankly. And astrology was so very healing for me. I just, by synchronicity, um, by the grace of (laughs) the divine order in all life, (laughs) I found a book on my particular sun sign, which is Scorpio. I'm Scorpio rising and I have a stellium of Scorpio, uh, Neptune, Venus, Mercury, and Sun in the first house. And it forms a tripod. I've got Moon, North Node, and Mars and Leo on the midheaven, and South Node and Saturn in Aquarius at the nadir, at the bottom of the chart. But I also have Moon in exact opposition to, uh, excuse me, Saturn in in exact opposition to the moon. Anyway, overcoming obstacles, not feeling comfortable with myself. Astrology helped me so much on my journey. So first music, then astrology. After college, and I did get a bachelor's in music, um, I became kind of burnt out. I worked really hard and I just needed to give myself a break and I started exploring other avenues other studies and I became absolutely fascinated with all of the energy therapies fast forward to a later time in my life when I discovered acupuncture because I was working at an acupuncture school and I I was able to receive treatments that was one of the perks of the job And I became absolutely enthralled with the system of Chinese medicine and how everything is connected. Everything, there is this beautiful map and they, the ancient Chinese understood this hermetic axiom, H-E-R-M-E-T-I-C for those who are wondering, that states as above, so below, as within, so without. And so through that experience working at the acupuncture school, I came upon the creators of Acutonics, Acu for acupuncture, tonics for the tones that are used in place of the medium they use, we use rather, is R tuning forks that are calibrated to the planetary frequencies. And this was such an ecstatic moment for me because I had been feeling compartmentalized. I was part musician, part astrologer. I mean, lover of astrologer. I am a lifelong student of astrology. I am studying it now and I I hope to add it to my professional repertoire but right now I really use the astrology chart as a music metaphor I read it as a sheet of music and I use the tuning forks that are calibrated to these planetary frequencies to align my clients with their planetary signature 
through the medium of sound. So finding Acutonics really was such a gift because it was it enabled me to reflect to it, it it enabled me to find expression in my outer world for who I am on the inside and I think that's that's the congruency and the harmony that we're all looking for and so the books I after many years uh you know post college and working with these tuning forks. I, I studied massage, I studied yoga, I studied various therapies. Um, finally went back to school to get my master's degree in health sciences because I would love to be a voice for building this bridge between complementary therapies, which are really more traditional than our conventional modern medicine is. Um, and that's where planetary signatures and medicine came from. So as a grad student, I was doing a lot of writing and I loved writing and I loved doing the research. And I actually, I, I wrote an email um, to Marcus Mikosi, MD, who was the author for the textbook Complementary and Alternative Medicine. It was my first course as a grad student. And I was so impressed with his presentation of all the complementary therapies speaking from the physician, the MD's point of view. I just wanted to reach out to him and thank him. One thing led to another. He asked me to co-author uh, one of the chapters in his fifth edition textbook. And we, as we were collaborating, I had an idea for a book and I presented it to him and he said, well, I have the perfect publisher in mind. One thing led to another. And that's how my first book came to be published, which is nothing short of a miracle <laughs> in and of itself. So that's how I came to become an author. And the second book, The Return of Planet Sedna, had that was a seed that was planted when I began my acutonic studies in 2003. Sedna was discovered in 2003. And I'd like to save that a little bit later. I think it might be better or at least help your listeners um, understand my work a little better if we kind of lay the foundation from the standpoint of the four elements that the first book is really about because the first book is a, is a comprehensive overview of why we should even care about our cosmic connection. Why should we care about our planetary signature? Why should we care about the four elements? But the, there are repeating patterns found in nature and found through the expression of all four of these elements four building blocks of the cosmos, which are fire, solids, liquids, gas, the same as fire, earth, air, water that we work with in astrology. And there are other connections between the astrology chart as we know it and use it in the tropical system as there are with the meridians, the Chinese or the, uh, yeah, the, the meridians, 12 ordinary meridians in the body. Um, 
I will pause there. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I too discovered acupuncture some time ago, and I, I have had the the tuning forks, um, you know, uh, singing on top of acupuncture points. When I was in New Mexico, I really um, mm. discovered this and, and, and love it so much. And there was a man that also gave me a heads up. His name, I can't remember, but I know he did something called Astrosonics, which found the tones of planets. And yeah. he sent me, I, I told him I only had one square in my chart, and, and, and it was uh, Moon Square Pluto. And so he sent me a tone, and he told me, he said, now, if you play this tone while you're in the bathtub, you'll be able to um, evolve yourself out of your square. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I I first got in in touch with what you're talking about now. And I I thought it was very interesting that someone had discovered the tone of planets. So what you're saying now is the evolution of, of what I discovered back in the early 80s. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, I don't... uh, Did you say that the tuning forks he used were from the Acutonic system? Not that it matters, because... I I, I really... It was in the 80s. I really... I don't really know. More than likely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Acutonics uh, began, I know, in the early 80s, late 70s, early 80s. So that would make sense. And the one, I, and the yeah. and the one that they used on me was called Saturn. Okay. Yeah, right. that was the one that that someone said, "Oh, she she needs this this Saturn uh, tone on her uh, on the acupuncture needles." Interesting. And, uh, yeah, yeah. That was, it was a very interesting. And another thing happened about that time; it opened up so many channels of information. I mean, the downloads that started happening right after that. Well, you almost had to time me down you know, in a chair because I was hopping around all over the place with information. Yeah. I am not surprised. Yes. That's what sound does. It it facilitates immediate change and transformation and creates these amazing symmetrical patterns. We can see this in the study of cymatics, C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S, and even at the Smithsonian Institution, anyone can um, go to that area where they have a steel plate and sand on top of it. And as you draw the bow across the steel plate, the sand forms, it creates a sound, a tone, and the sand forms a perfect geometrical pattern. Wow. So sound creates harmony and order as soon as it is introduced to any substance, whether it's liquid or our bodies or, you know, powder. And so it it is a very powerful healing medium. I noticed in your book, you talked about Dr. Moto's water. Did you do any investigation with uh, the sound in water? Um, did you I do any work? I personally did not but it makes perfect sense when you when you look at the images of even um, Wilson Bentley's snowflakes and then Dr. Emoto's work with water. And as we are coming to understand the nature of water and its chemistry and how unique it is, 
we understand how our thoughts and energy and intentions can imprint water. Water does absolutely hold memory. And so the, and this is, this is really primarily what the second book is about because Sedna has a very deep and profound connection to the water element. In my first book, Planetary Signatures, we go into the connection of the platonic solids and the um, elements, fire, earth, air, water, even though there are five platonic solids. And in Chinese medicine, of course, there is a, five, a fifth phase, um, which is the creative phase. And it's really about how all of these elements work together, they combine, that's the alchemy that is always at work, creating a new phenomenon. And so as we learn to work with these energies, we can create through our intention, the outcome, or, you know, at least support the desired outcome. And most importantly, and I want, this is what I loved about what Anastasia was saying in, you know, her, her closing statements about infinite possibilities. I talk about this in both books, but Sedna in particular, that we, it, the healing process is about becoming whole. It is about remembering, literally remembering all of our parts. And so, um, oh gosh, that's terrible. I just lost my train of thought. Becoming whole and healing is reciprocal. So as we take steps toward our own healing, we are immediately bringing that healing to the collective and it does reverberate out and it does spiral out. It is not selfish. It is absolutely important, so important for every individual to understand their power in the thought that they hold, the vocabulary they use, the um, the language that they, they use toward themselves and towards others because everything holds vibration and as such, it is creating. We are constantly creating. That makes so much sense. And um, I also wanted to ask you, uh, what, what state do you live? Where do you live? I live in Massachusetts now. Okay. And... Um, do you have clients that come to an office or to your home, or do you do you do remote? Um, tell us a little bit of how you work with your clients. Well, since I recently moved to Massachusetts, I don't have the client base that I had when I lived in Pennsylvania, but my work is morphing um, as it <laughs> as as we find ourselves evolving. So does the work, and I have started. Um, a modest but um, nevertheless present YouTube channel where I do astro sound recordings to align listeners with each new moon and full moon. And so I give just a little bit of an astrological explanation of the highlights of that chart and uh, 
six to nine minute recording that they can listen to. I use the high frequency tuning forks because they're, they're the ones that are used rather, rather than touching the body, they're used in the energy field and they convey better through, um, you know, auditory reception. And so I create these recordings to align us with each new moon and full moon so that we can, you know, have together the inner harmony with what is occurring in the sky. Um, the moon is, of course, so important in terms of how we emotionally respond and manage our own energy, emotionally respond to the current transits and cycles and, um, and how we, again, can learn to manage our own energy instead of reacting in fear or anger or rage, even though we all have those emotions that come up. It's about finding harmony again and again, coming back to harmony. And um, I know Ariel <laughs> mentioned this quote in an email. I just want to share it with, with you and your listeners. It's, it is from my book, um, but it's a quote by Marcus Aurelius. And this is why I do the Astro Sound recordings. His quote says, When you have been compelled by circumstances to be disturbed in any manner, Quickly return to yourself and do not continue out of tune longer than the compulsion lasts. You will have increasing control over your own harmony by continually returning to it. That's profound. Yeah, I loved when I saw that. And it, it just, speaks... Yeah, go ahead, Ariel. I, I was just... It, it, it really... It's a good reminder because we all have things that, that come out of, you know, left field that you don't see coming, and they can knock you off center. But you've got to, as quickly as yeah. possible, get back to your normal balance, to find your center, to find your balance. Yes. And it seems to me that the more often you find your way back, the shorter the trip. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and so the planetary signature each of us has that, represent, that is represented by the natal chart is as unique as that snowflake that Wilson Bentley revealed to us. No two snowflakes are alike. And, and what I think is such a profound metaphor in what he saw and conveyed through his work is that what causes the unique configuration of each snowflake is its journey through cloudland. And this to me, it kind of blew my mind. I'm like, think about this. I mean, we as human souls who incarnate life after life on different, in different dimensions, perhaps on different, you know, star systems, our soul is, it's like that journey through cloudland. It's a journey through the infinite. And that imprint that we carry upon incarnation is what our soul and consciousness agreed to carry and agreed to overcome in terms of any, any obstacles that we have 
all for the purpose of soul's evolution. And as we do the work and we do evolve and we do stay in harmony with our unique signature and evolve as, you know, we experience the progressions and the solar returns and the transits, then what what once was felt as an obstacle, and let's just use the square as an example, the 90-degree angle that causes tension for the purpose of motivating us, we are motivated. We do evolve. We do make the necessary changes, and then we reap the rewards and the benefits, just like each Saturn cycle. You know, the first Saturn return, it's about more responsibility, taking on the responsibility. And then as we continue with each square and as it goes around our, our chart and works in our life, if we're doing the work of Saturn, then we will see the, the rewards. We will reap the benefits. But um, every planet has its low and high vibration. Every archetype has its low and high vibration. And as long as we are listening to that inner guidance, listening to the inner voice, then we can, you know, become the masterful musician who's making beautiful music with our particular signature instead of a student getting up there on stage and trying to perform this, you know, incredible concerto before he or she has really spent the time practicing. (laughs) I understand that. Yeah. Well, um, I wanted to uh, bring up a subject that's been happening to me recently. When I look at an astrological chart, I will say to my client, I said, look at the center and see the blue and the red and the and the yellow and the, and the green, which is sextiles and, and trines and squares and, and oppositions. And she goes, yes. And I said, well, think of that as your personal crop circle because every <laughs> cell in your body, every cell in your body has a copy of what you're looking at. That's the way I love that. my sessions now. I just wanted to pass that on to you. I love it. Yeah. So at this at this time, I see what time it is. I'd like to pass you over to my co-host Ariel, and I have really enjoyed talking with you. In fact, I'd Likewise. like to talk. I would like to talk to you further privately, because I'm very. I, as you were talking, I was thinking, huh? I wonder if we could find tones for the 25, 26, and 27 degrees of the star seed markings. That would be something really interesting to look into. Well, I'd be happy to talk to you. Yeah. Okay. Great. We'll All we'll right. we'll find a time to talk this week sometime. I'll send you an email. Okay. All right. So, Sounds good. So back to you, Ariel. Okay. Well, I am really enjoying and understanding what you're talking about, and um, relating to it very personally, um, because I am. Um, a very um, uh, educated musician, but yes. um, and then the, the the combination of the the frequencies of the planets, and um, does it get to the point um, in in your studies where um, just like if you if you were picking an herb 
for a particular um, remedy for something? Is there a, a, a correlation in, um, you know, it's like, okay, you need some more Mars energy or you need some more Saturn energy or, or whatever. This is in alignment with your chart. Um, does it get that specific um, in, in your work with everything that you use? It absolutely can get that specific. Um, there, in, in studying and practicing the acutonics, uh, method of healing there are so many different ways that we can come to a treatment protocol for an individual so a lot of it is going to be based on the knowledge that we have acquired as acutonics practitioners through the curriculum and there is um, so let's say if someone needs to um, nourish the the spleen channel and the spleen function in the body, we would use the sun and, um, or, or perhaps Mars. There are textbook methods. Yes. And to answer your question, specific protocol for different disharmonies in the body. But then there is the intuitive component that occurs when you speak to someone or you are, they come into your office and present certain um, characteristics or ways of speaking. There, there's so much information that we as intuitives gather all at once. It's multidimensional. So mm-hmm. it's a yes and no question. <laughs> yes, there are specifics. But we are looking, at least I am looking for the common denominator. And I, there always is a common theme that stems from an emotional pattern, dietary patterns, sleep patterns, um, uh, or a repeating pattern of trauma in a person's life. And so that information combined with their natal signature and the transits or whatever is happening in their life that is awakening certain areas of areas of life represented in their natal chart. In other words, you know, the natal chart is a snapshot of the sky at the time a person is born. I know you know this. And then the transits continue to move. And with these varying planetary cycles, it's a cosmic clock that is inviting the individual to awaken and make changes in certain areas of life. The houses represent, of course, those areas of life. And wherever there's a stellium or a concentration of astrological energy, if that is triggered by a square or an opposition or a trine, this is an area that, um, depending on the planets involved, I would bring to that individual, and then I would choose the we work with the eight extraordinary vessels. So we also work with the 12 meridians, but the eight extraordinary vessels are deeper and deeper reservoirs of energy that connect us immediately with our primordial essence, original, you know, pre-heaven essence and 
it it is the blueprint for our cosmic sovereignty and taking you know it's the infinite um well it's the infinite source and it (laughs) so the eight extraordinary vessels are very powerful because they address a multitude of things physically emotionally and spiritually as we activate them and then putting the power of chinese medicine together with the power of the planetary frequencies is uh, in my view the most well the most wonderful and soothing kind of medicine that you can bring to someone it's not that the treatment is doing anything i'm not you know i'm a facilitator of energy but i am not a healer who is curing a person's knee injury i'm creating space through these tones and vibrations that allow the individual to tap into their own healing power and potential well that makes perfect sense you're removing the obstacles the blockages and the you know exactly. the, the 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 fences so to speak the walls and when you you know get those out of the way the body will always respond in respond. because the body's natural thing is to is to heal and to regenerate if there's nothing interfering with that And also also creating a new structure, you know, a new matrix for the intentions they hold. So it's like creating um, a a new hologram, so to speak. That's how I see it. What you had said before, um, you know, so above, so below, so within, so without – and um, in in my understanding, that the um, disturbed energies and frequencies in your etheric body, you know, your your aura, mm-hmm. um, whatever, you know, the energy field around you, things, you know, thoughts, beliefs, uh, judgments, mm-hmm. um, programming from exter- external sources, they you start thinking about that, and and if it's if it's bringing you, you know, darkness. Or, or dissatisfaction in some way that starts in the energy field and then as it condenses with more and more feeding of that, you know, that <laughs> belief, um, then it can work its way into manifestation in the physical body because every right. point, every frequency in that energy field is connected to some place in the body, yes. whether it's an organ yes. or something. And I know that in, Absolutely. Uh, you, know, you know, Chinese... Um, astrology, not astrology, in Chinese um, medicine, that's very much so. If you can, if you can clear the energy field mm-hmm. of, yes. you know, all the all the little dust bunnies and cooties and things that, that get picked up from other people or or the television or whatever, yes. you can clear that yes. out. Then the body has a chance to return to its natural state, which is alive, living, and healthy. Yeah, absolutely, and it's is it allows someone to change their perspective also on what this, why this happened. Um, it, because it's all about learning and growing. And, 
even even darkness and our our um, you know dark nights of the soul as we experience them are fertile learning experiences as long as we can maintain a deeper like that's what I love about astrology it allows us to see the drama or the trauma from soul's perspective so we can give ourselves space from the drama and understand the bigger lesson in why this particular cycle is happening or this particular disturbance or dissonance in our life is occurring what is the invitation what is the gift that it holds and and there always is because like it or not, we live on a planet that operates by light and shadow, the yin and the yang, and they both serve a purpose and they both give birth to the other. So we are in this constant dance of energy. I absolutely agree with you that clearing away the debris is, is something that healing experiences are you know, meant to facilitate so that we can hear our own voice, hear our own um, divine connection and become masters of our own destiny so that, you know, mm-hmm. we're in charge. And, and yes, and then our body can respond to the intentions we hold. Yeah. Right. And, and being aware Yes. is the is the gateway for transcending but when you yes. have no clue you know yes. and that's why we are we for years have been um encouraging people follow your transits because yes. you know uh, some of the you know the the outer planet transits they last for years right and and when you don't know that you know why is this happening to me if you understand you know like the nature yes. of saturn and and if you've been um, not living by the golden rule, then when Saturn gets a chance, he's going to spank you. Yes. And hopefully, yes. you know, hopefully yes. you'll learn your lesson. But if you have been learning and living by the golden rule, when Saturn comes yes. around, then it's time for harvest. But you know, people, they, you know, or or you know, Uranus especially will yes. uh, will really shake people up, and and you don't see it coming. And then you think, you know, oh, why did God do this to me? It's like, mm-hmm. no, this, this, this is nothing. This has nothing to right. do with with religion or your perception of, of you know, the God figure. But um, sometimes, especially with Uranus, if you are um, um, hanging on to something that is really <laughs> toxic to you, and you don't want to let go, and you don't want to let go. Then when Uranus gets a chance, he, you're <laughs> gonna let go. He'll pull the rug right out from under your feet. Yes. And then when you're sitting there on the ground looking straight up, thinking, "Oh, I think I need to change something." So that's why I always tell people if you if there's something you need to change, do it on your own because that yeah. way you can choose when and how. But if you wait for Uranus to come and do it for you, you won't have any say <laughs> on yes. how it happens, and it could be very upsetting. But 
every transit, and this I'm speaking really to everyone that's listening, every transit has a benefit, even if it it's does, no fun. Absolutely. You know, yes. even if you had to like sit down and eat three pounds of liver for some, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not fun to go through, but you'll be better off when you're done. So yeah. understanding, understanding the planets, and um, uh, when you work with your with your um, with your tones, um, do you use musical instruments or is this strictly the the tuning forks? It's just the tuning fork, so it is very cosmic sounding. I would invite you and and your listeners to uh, check out a sample. Just go to YouTube, and all they have to do is search my name, which is Jennifer Gale, G-E-H-L, and um, check it out because that gives you an idea of the astro sound recordings that I do for your natal chart, solar return, and um, the natal of natal chart, of course, is something you can listen to indefinitely, you know, literally for the rest of your mm-hmm. life. Um, the solar return is just going to be for that particular year. Um, but that is, yeah, you can get a taste of what it sounds like on YouTube. And this uh, it may evolve, but right now it is. It is what it is. <laughs> right. Well, um, I, I'm really, uh, really anxious to, I'm going to go take a look at that. Um, and at, you know, la- from Lavendar's experience, um, she encouraged me to get a tuning fork. And, and it was for Saturn um, mm-hmm. because when you, when you have physical pain, um, mm-hmm. boy, oh, boy, uh, that really, it's, it's, very amazing it just you don't want it to stop vibrating you know it's like then you have to strike it again and it's like i'm wondering if there is if there's a way to prolong the um the tone you know that that's the purpose of doing the recordings because when i'm working on someone individually when you strike the tuning forks they last for about 25 seconds unless there is a particular imbalance and the vibration gets soaked up immediately. Um, and then you have to continue to strike and play the tuning fork. But in the recording, of course, I can, I, I don't record the strike. I just record the tone. So you, I'm able to maintain the tone for a longer period. And, um, I hope that makes sense, what I'm saying. Yes, but yes it does. That's it's like a ma- loop. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And I would play them for you here, but they do not carry well over this type of medium. So I, that's why I create a recording and then upload that to YouTube because it, it just – it just doesn't carry well over Skype or any other, at least not yet. Yeah. The tuning. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I've, you know, that kind of sound I've tried to, I've, I've played a few of my, um, my songs uh, on the radio here, you know, like for Christmas or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and then when I listen to it in the, in the replay, it's like, Oh my gosh, the fidelity is, is about as low as it can get because I mean, blog talk was designed for talk, not yeah, for, exactly. for, for music and hi-fi. So right. um, I certainly understand uh, what you're talking about there. Yeah. And uh, interesting, uh, 
I started piano when I was six as well. And um, <laughs> I was really, really relating. And I grew up in Pennsylvania. So oh, I, wow. I was really, really relating to you. Um, no kidding. Well, yeah, I can remember. We're seed sisters. <laughs> yes, yes, ma'am. I can, I can remember when I was probably about 18 months old going to Sunday school and having to reach up to hit the keyboard. And all I could see was just the end of the white keys. And I remember getting taller and taller until I was like, oh, there's black ones too. Um, and so and I was fascinated, fascinated. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you know, when I was six, um, I, I got a piano and, um, and kind of, as they say, the rest is history. I, I've spent my whole life on the stage um, singing and playing. Wow. And, and always aware that there was so much more going on with the yeah. sounds and the subtle frequencies. Um, and I just love that you've combined the two. And then bringing astrology, which is something that has kind of overlapped my musical life um, since I met Lavendar yeah. um, in 1991. And, and then understanding the it's all frequency. It's yeah. all frequency, everything. And I just want to add something that was a really beautiful aha moment for me as I was doing the research for planetary signatures. I, you know, as an acutonic student, I had, of course, been introduced to Pythagorean medicine and theory, but I did not quite grasp it in the way that I did when I went back to do some research for this book. Anyway, Pythagorean medicine is, or, or theory, I should say, uh, has to do with understanding that number is metaphor. Number in and of itself implies order. It's the order of the cosmos. Cosmos itself is a word that means order. So number implies order. Number in space is geometry. Number in time is music. Number in space-time is astronomy. And when I learned it that way, and it was put to me in that way, I, I mean, that was just so profound to me because it's like, well, no wonder I love astrology. <laughs> astrology is frozen music. It is, it, if, if astronomy is the language of the cosmos, then astrology is the language that describes and illustrates each individual's place in that grand theme, in that grand, great symphony. And the more that we can bring it to life as masterful musicians, then the more harmony we add to this world. And that is what we need right now. It's, it's just so incredibly beautiful wise uh and simple i mean it makes sense yeah. there's nothing about <laughs> astrology that's simple but understanding it that way for me was just i mean remarkable <laughs> well right and you know i've i found that the i mean even though astrology can be very complex as you you know do layers and and um combinations of things but the basic premise is simple and mm -hmm. and anything that is in its simplicity is divine 
Yes. You know, when things get so complicated, they start getting away from the divine because it really comes down to um, a a basic formula. And I just loved what you said. Um, Number in... I don't numbers, space numbers, is in, numbers in time is music. Numbers in yeah. space is astronomy. And what was the first one? Numbers in well, number in space is geometry. Number geometry. in time is music. Number in space time is astronomy. I yeah. love that. I, I love know. that. Yeah. I'd like to share I mean, what, if I may. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. I just, I just wanted to share this analogy with you or actually connection this this repeating pattern that uh, the astrology chart and the 12 ordinary channels in the body share it it fascinates me that when you're looking at an astrology chart of uh, chart of course you've got the east west axis think of this as the waistline in the body okay the and So above the horizon in the astrology chart, we have three yin and three yang astrology signs, constellations. Below the horizon, at the bottom of the chart, we also have three yin, three yang astrology signs. In the body, we have three yin, three yang meridians that start chest to hand or that start above the waist, let's say. And then we have three and three yang that start below the waist. And not only that, but we have 12 astrology signs changing on the eastern horizon every two hours. And in the circadian clock, within a 24-hour time period, we also have 12 meridians that are assigned a two-hour time frame. I just think this is remarkable, and it cannot be a coincidence. (laughs) That's no accident. That is, right. you know, the, the divine simplicity and congruity. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Well, I think we're going to have to have you back on <laughs> because because you've got a lot. You've got a lot that just it's like, of course, of course, you know. Tiny, well, this you know, is this is the experience I had. This is the experience I had, Ariel, when I wrote the first book. I I did have a download, a visitation, a literal visitation as I was gathering books and beginning to do the research. And without that, I do not think I would have been able to decipher, digest, and process all the information that came to me for planetary signatures. It is dense with information, but it has a flow. And each chapter, it's like it, it took on a personality of its own in each chapter had a specific message to convey and it it was a beautiful and intensely rich (laughs) gratifying and evolving um you know growth generating experience for me so i i do hope i mean i do hope that it will inspire those who feel drawn to read it um, and and then the planet Sedna goes into water, the water element, and its connection, Sedna's connection to water, and our connection to water and emotion, and how important it is to heal the emotions, heal so that we can help heal the waters on our planet. Um, there's a lot. 
And that's just hand hand in hand with the returning of the divine feminine in balance with divine masculine. Absolutely it is, yes. Yeah, and that is probably, the timing of this is no accident. No. Because that's, I mean, that's one of the most important starseed missions is helping to rebalance masculine and feminine because we've been out of balance for so long. And yes. and that's you know the feminine yes. and water water and earth, so um, yeah this this is right on time, and I yeah. would I would love to see your chart. <laughs> oh, it's in the, absolutely. I I'll be happy to send it to you. Yeah. Uh, um. Uh, do you use Coke or Placidus? Um, I use Placidus, and sometimes Porphyry. Try playing around with some with some Coke houses, okay. house systems. Um, sure. As you know, Lavendar um, has had a lot of off-world training um, mm. in in areas of astrology and, and many other things. But um, Lavendar, do you want to tell about that, or should I? Um, when I guess I will. When um, <laughs> when the when the Pleiadians when she was aboard the ship with the Pleiadians and they showed her this experiment where they took one drop of her blood, put it on a slide, put it into some you know computer machine, and up on the screen popped her chart. So oh the chart my. is actually See? encoded uh, in, in in the blood. Oh my gosh! Oh, I love it. I have goosebumps right now. I got to tell you, this is. In, in the Sedna book, we look at the DNA and the patterns of the I Ching, the connection there. It does not surprise me that the chart would be found in the blood. There, but there is a, you know, the DNA, which is evolving as we allow our chart to come to life. We are changing our DNA, allowing that change and evolution to take place. There is definitely, I mean, the higher cosmic forces that are developing this planet are begging human beings to get with a galactic program and (laughs) recalibrate, recalibrate, you know, allow the transformation to take place. So I, I, that just is, so thrilling to hear that. Yeah, and then and then they told her that the Coke house system was more accurate for starseed astrology. Okay. Um, which is, I mean, All right. I mean, most everybody uses Placidus, but um, yeah. I just I just said yes, ma'am. <laughs> okay, so that's the way we do it. I'll do it. it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, uh, we have had a caller waiting um, since the beginning of the show. And okay. I'm not sure if this is a question that you would be able to answer, but um, Miranda, you've been so patient. We're going to bring you on, um, and um, maybe uh, Jennifer could at least point you in the right direction. So I'm going to open up your mic. Just hang on a second here. Okay, Miranda, Hi, are you there? I'm here. Yes, patiently okay. waiting, enjoying listening <laughs> to you in the meantime. You're, it's so exciting to you know, learn about all of this. A little confusing for me, but it's fascinating nonetheless. I'm so into all of this stuff, and I'm hoping your guests or any of you could uh, help me figure out what I could do, whether it's, um, I don't know, 
Chinese medicine or, or astrology or um, the acutonics, anything, what you can think of. I have been having hair loss for many years, and um, I'm in my 50s, and my daughters who are also in their like late 20s, uh, both of them, they're also experiencing hair loss, and very thin hair now, very fine, and it's it's obviously more bothersome for us gals. <laughs> it's okay. um, sure. you know our our hair is supposed to be uh, something we value, and uh, it's a little hard to swallow when you see it thinning away, and it affects you know your confidence and lots of lots of layers to that. And I'm wondering what you what you can do, or I mean, what you suggest in terms of helping the hair growth come back and just getting revitalizing the follicles, hair follicles on the scalp. That, um, Miranda, is not something Mm -hmm. I feel equipped to address. I would want, Uh I would encourage you to um, maybe have some blood work done and see if it is perhaps a thyroid issue. If if you can um, get more information on the particular organ or imbalance or disharmony, at least physically and Mm -hmm. physiologically, then mm-hmm. yes, it could be addressed. Um, whether it's an acupuncturist with needles or an acutonics mm-hmm. with the tuning forks, certainly mm-hmm. I would want to look at your chart. I would want because immediately I'm thinking kidney. Um, the kidney mm-hmm. flowers, kidneys, I should say, flower into the ears, but it also has a lot to do with head hair loss and. DNA, we were just talking about it, you know, we identify DNA through hair and, you know, other methods, of course, saliva Mm -hmm. um, and bone. But in Chinese medicine, at least, I do know there is a connection between kidney, which is our, it holds our primordial essence. And so if there is some sort of, if there's been a pattern of fear that has been going on in your lineage, perhaps, because this also has to do with ancestry. And many of mm-hmm. us star seeds, when we incarnated, we agreed to take on so much of what our lineage, the, the mm-hmm. pattern our lineage has had going on for, you know, since... <sighs> since the beginning and we have Mm -hmm. essentially said the buck stops here I'm going to help to heal this pattern so that it doesn't perpetuate in my children and so if there I mean I always want to look to the emotions and I do Mm -hmm. know that the emotion associated with the kidneys is fear so if there is Mm -hmm. anything there to um Sorry if this sounds so roundabout. I mean, physically, I'm not an expert. I would be looking at the emotional and the psycho-spiritual components related to this. Mm-hmm. Does that, uh, Ariel? Do you have yeah. anything to help to say or to help her? Well, I don't. I don't have a, a lot of um, knowledge like you do about you know, the, the sources of things. I know when, when, uh, as you said, there are, you know, emotions that are associated with various organs and if that weakens the organ, 
then you know then everything connected to that is going mm-hmm. to have a, a a decline of of some kind um, although <laughs> uh, I, I I feel kind of strange saying this um uh, but uh if you would listen to um a show go back in our archives Miranda and listen to mm-hmm. a show that we did um uh, with Infinite Gold um she talks about that and you might be able oh. to um to okay. you know um and she uses uh, frequencies in products mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. um uh, but other other than that um you know all i know is just probably what you know about you know vitamins and and supplements mm-hmm. and and things like that but if there is a a um an emotional um inherited even thing yeah that's um, what I'm in, thinking. in the dna yeah. that that would need to be rebalanced mm-hmm. and i don't know that there you know there is i don't know if there's a, <laughs> not a, a a topical kind of product that would address that but um or for anyone to even certainly, I, I understand. Like, who do you, you know, who would you really go to to say, yes, it's your, it's in your lineage, you know, and, and you know, way back your ancestors made this, I don't know, contract or whatever. I don't know, you know what I'm saying. But you don't even determine. Yeah, yeah. It's tough. <laughs> but you have it, the power to transmute that if that is indeed something that came down, you know, from from generations ago. You and and your daughters, we all have the power mm-hmm. to transmute and stop and say, "All right, that that is canceled because I'm moving on and up." Um, so you do have the power to transmute it, I but know. you need to, you know, like Jennifer said, you know, if you've had, you know, blood work or some kind of diagnostic, you know, tracking mm-hmm. yeah, to yeah. really, really kind of make sure that you're ruling out, you know, that. Mm-hmm that there's anything um, out of balance physically, you know. So modern, you know, diagnostic tools are helpful in that way to um, to rule things out. And, yeah, and that ultimately... can lead mm-hmm. to you um, understanding. Because once you identify the organs that may be in need of extra nourishment and help, that is a clue to any emotional connection that there may be I'm not saying there is because I you know I I don't know you and of course and I would need to see your chart and talk to you and ask so many more questions than we can address in the time that we have but I would encourage you and invite you to at least explore that option because that that's just an intuitive hit that I'm getting I do know that so many star seeds are, are 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 dealing with ancestral patterns and it is now is the time to you know take back your power literally and say nope i'm not going to continue this pattern it may have been in generations before me i do not have to carry it now i wish that too yeah, I mean, I've said that out loud, you know. Um, right, I, and I yeah. obviously you're on this show because you want to transform it and change it. Absolutely. But it sounds mm-hmm. like there's still a seed of information, the, the root of it, 
has not yet been identified. And until that happens, yeah. So is there a medical intuitive that you trust that you could? I don't. I really don't know who I would go to that's, you know, trustworthy. Well, um, I wish I know there are there are lots of medical intuitives. We've had them on the show. Um, And if you go back through our archives, um, you might resonate with one of them. Uh, a lot okay. of medical intuitives that can um, maybe shed some light for you. All um, right. I will uh, go back into the archives then. So well, thank you. I, yeah. I send you healing, healing vibes, and I will, I will hold you in a space of healing. I, I wish I could be more helpful to you, Miranda. Thank you. I know. You're welcome. I do too. <laughs> thanks. Thanks very yeah. much. Uh, Take care. And when you go back in the archives, Miranda, look mm-hmm. for an episode mm-hmm. with a, with a, a lady named Archana. Archana. Um, okay. She's a medical intuitive a, that we know yeah. really well. Okay. Archana. Okay. Yes. A R C H A N A A. A. Okay. I will do yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. She's been on in the last year, so you don't have to dig too far. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. All, All right. right thank you. Thanks so thank much. You, yeah. sure, thank you, Miranda. Sure, thank you. Okay, well, um, I think we're going to be wrapping it up here. I just want to um, say one more time, your website is soundworksbygale.com, and your um, first book, uh, Planetary Signatures in Medicine, and your newest book, The Return of Planet Sedna, Astrology, Healing, and the Awakening of Cosmic Kundalini, those are both available on your website as well as other outlets? Yeah, any online bookstore and, of course, the publisher's website, innertraditions.com. And I, um, besides my, my website, if it's okay, Ariel, I just want to... Mm-hmm. Invite listeners one more time to check out YouTube and just do a search for Jennifer Gale. And I, I just invite you to explore the Astro Sound each new moon and full moon. And I would love to see you there and love to be aligning with you through the medium of sound. And we would love to have you back on and, and really you know, get into the, the, the Planet Sedna, your newer book, um, because you've got so much really knowledge that is right on. I mean, from, from what we know, you're, you're on it. So we certainly appreciate you, you. And uh, we'd love to have you come back on at another time. I would love to. It was a pleasure to be here tonight. Thank you so much. You are so welcome, and thanks for joining us. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. And we will be back next week. Until then... Make a conscious effort to show compassion, kindness, and give gratitude in every single day. Until next week, good night, everyone. You've been listening to Starseed Radio Academy. Visit our website at www.starseedhotline.com. 